Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. What's good for your heart is also good for your brain. Today we're going to talk about things that we can do to keep our brains healthy because a lot of us want to avoid having consequences like strokes or having problems like dementia or other types of brain issues. And in fact, there are some things you can do to help keep your brain healthy. And it's not just doing puzzles and Sudoku and word find. There's actually a lot of other things we can do. And today, we're going to talk with some folks from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. I have physician assistant James Campbell and Dr. Paul Smith, and they're both experts in a concept of something we call lifestyle medicine, ways that we can do things today to help us so that we don't have consequences of health issues tomorrow. And those of us who have already had those consequences, how can you avoid having it happen again? So I want to thank both of you for joining me today on The Body Show. Thank you very much, Dr. Kozak. Thank you for having us, Dr. Kozak. I'm happy that you guys are here. Now, let's talk a little bit about lifestyle medicine. It's Often we hear about people say, yes, everyone should watch their diet, they should exercise, they should keep their blood pressure low, but there's a lot more to it. There are certain things we can do on a daily basis that can really help extend our lives later if we're really careful and get really diligent about it. What is lifestyle medicine and why is it something that we really need to focus on these days? I think maybe the the best way to look at lifestyle medicine is it's really an evidence-based uh, therapeutic option in terms of nutrition, uh, activity level, sleep, adequate sleep, stress management, uh, avoidance of uh, substance abuse, and really social connection that basically are used as prescriptions for a, a person's health. So like you are what you eat. Exactly. Okay, I'm scared already. (laughs) And you need to get more activity, and we all need to work on sleep. Absolutely. So let's take some of those and break them down a bit. You are what you eat. What is the best type of dietary program to follow? We hear a lot about trying to add more vegetables, trying to add more you know, salads, plant-based, whole food diet. What does that really mean on a day-to-day basis? What should have been on my lunch plate today? And I will not admit what was. (laughs) Maybe Doritos were involved. I'm not admitting. So what should I be eating for lunch, James? What what would be on my plate? What's the healthiest thing I could have? Well, it it depends on what you're looking at, what diagnosis, what projection, or what goal you're after. Right. I'm after not losing my mind and having (laughs) issues remembering things later on. That's my goal. I want to keep my brain healthy. So in terms of dementia, we recommend a Mediterranean-type diet. There was a phenomenal study. It was called the Mind Diet Study that was released, I, I believe, in 2017, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And it, it was uh, evidence-based medicine that showed the benefits of utilizing the Mediterranean in connection with the DASH diet, a combination of both of those implemented to prevent and slow down. I don't want to say prevent, but potentially lower your risk factors for Alzheimer's and dementia. All right. So the combination of a Mediterranean diet and a DASH diet. So let's talk logistics. What's on my plate? Am I having lettuce? Am I having spinach? Am I having kale? What kind of berries can I put on there? Because I don't like the taste of some of that stuff. (laughs) And can I have cheese? 
the diet isn't high in cheese. There okay, is, little sprinkly bits. Some, that's it. Okay. Some components. All right. So I should have I should have some type of greens. What else am I having? The greens focus on spinach, kale, collard greens, and broccoli. Those are the primary ones when we talk about green leafy vegetables. There's a combination of nuts and beans like legumes, kidney beans, uh, added with some fish in there a few times a week, and berries. And when I say berries, strawberry, raspberries, blueberries, anything with a berry term or name to it attached to it. Kind of making me hungry. So I can put all that in a bowl. <laughs> and what should I use for dressing? Because the Mediterranean diet seems to be all about olive oil. It is. So I just put that on as a dressing? Correct. Uh, olive oil, we know, has the polyphenol compounds, and that's the component that they have linked to the pre- prevention of dementia. Anywhere else I can get polyphenols? Does it come in a pill? <laughs> <laughs> no. I have I, to eat olive oil. I haven't oil. seen it yet. I right. wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it, but I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> okay. So, so that would be my lunch. It would be salad-based. It would be more than just lettuce. You mentioned some other types of greens because... Plain old iceberg lettuce may not have the same type of nutrients that I'm looking for. Correct. So I really want to go with my spinach or my collard or my kale or broccoli. I love broccoli with cheese. But you've taken away my cheese, James. James, I'm off the cheese fan. Okay. (laughs) All right. And that's going to help because food is going to help with the nutritional aspect. But there is a whole concept of food as medicine. And could we use our diet as a way to treat ourselves, either in preventative aspects or even in treating certain conditions? We know that if you have diabetes, for example, diet is a huge important factor, and eating too much sugar could lead to to dire consequences. In this case, we're using the food as more of a preventative aspect. You mentioned exercise. Dr. Paul, what kind of exercise? Is it okay to just go walking? Every time I turn around, somebody says 10,000 steps. No, you only need 4,500 steps. No, walking isn't enough. You need to get more aerobic. What kind of exercise and activity do I need to get doing? Well, lucky for us, Dr. Kozak, the... um, most recent uh, physical activity guidelines uh, for 2019 says, hey, if you do any kind of activity, it's better than doing none at all. And so things like your typical household chores or gardening, those are things that begin to kind of accumulate activity for you. Now, if you want a specific kind of exercise program, Then you want to think about aerobic exercise in terms of conditioning the heart. Uh, But more recent uh, evidence also indicates the benefit of resistance exercises in terms of helping to strengthen the muscles. And that adds to kind of later on in life, keeping the joints nice and stable, preventing falls. So... um, There's a lot of benefit in working on balance, too. You mentioned fall prevention. And when you have a fall, if you hit your head, that can lead to some consequences. But also, even if you just fall down and and injure a hip or injure a leg, it can also make you less likely to do activity. So fall prevention is important. Activity. I love the fact that any activity is going to count. That, That just makes me happy. But in addition, it also says, you know what? you need to find a way to integrate it into your everyday. So particularly for those people who sit sedentary at a desk all day, that actually has been found to be really risky. Eight hours at a desk all day is is a very negative consequence for your health. They've kind of looked at that as equivalent to smoking and how detrimental it could be. So getting up and walking around every hour in the hour, just going for a walk during lunch, any activity you can get in is better than no activity. 
Absolutely. But there's an optimal amount. And depending on what your goal is and trying to keep yourself healthy, that might be different for different people. Well, the the guidelines at this point is trying to get at least uh, 150 minutes per week of moderate uh, intensity exercise. And that can be broken down into maybe five days of aerobic exercise and two days resistance exercise, along with trying to even add in some flexibility exercises, stretching, uh, balance exercises. Well, and you mentioned trying to build up the muscles because as we get older, we lose muscle mass. So in order to keep ourselves healthy, we want to gain muscle mass now when we can so that as we get older, we continue with that ability. Correct. And then you also mentioned that balance is another key, and that's that's always something I advocate for folks is if you have some trouble with balance, there's some simple things you can do talk with a physical therapist because they can really help direct you in the right path so that you can do things even in your own home that are safe and that will decrease your likelihood of falling down and injuring yourself. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. I'm here with my experts today, physician assistant James Campbell and Dr. Paul Smith, both at Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the other elements of things we need to focus on. Getting better sleep. How important is that long-term for brain health? We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here in the studio with physician assistant James Campbell and Dr. Paul Smith from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience, and we're talking about lifestyle medicine as a way to help prevent problems with the brain, which the same activities help your heart and help the rest of your body as well. If our goal is to avoid having strokes and or problems with dementia, there are some great things that all of us can do now that could really help. So right before the break, we were talking about optimal activity levels. And the other thing that you mentioned at the top of the show, Dr. Paul, is you mentioned sleep. A lot of folks don't know if they're getting good sleep or not, if they're getting enough sleep, why they feel tired during the day, which might have to do with diet and other factors. But how much sleep do we really need? And how important is it to be able to get the same amount of sleep every night? So uh, sleep is vitally important. When we're talking about brain health, we are under this model of six pillars of brain health. And we're not the only uh, organization that is, has worked this this angle. Um, the Cleveland Clinic, the Mayo Clinic, they all have a similar model. Uh, and they're all equally important uh, across the board. And sleep, is it falls into one of those six pillars uh, in terms of importance. Uh, I can't really say that everybody needs the same amount of sleep. There is definitely ranges based on your age. And adults, from what I understand, and this would be a better question for our sleep doctor, Dr. Vajala, but adults typically need somewhere between seven and nine hours of sleep. Um, but again, that varies based on age. So, But in terms of importance, sleep equally among the rest of the pillars. So you need to, if you're going to have a building stand, 
then you need to have these six pillars and they all have to be at the same height. So level of importance. So if you get a lot of sleep, but your nutrition's horrible, that's not helping you. If you have great nutrition and you never rest, well, that's not helping you. So what are some of the ways to know if you're getting adequate restful sleep? I think that uh, a lot of times you, if you have a partner, your partner will kind of let you know if, you know, you're tossing and turning or snoring. And yeah. those could be indicators that... They'll record you. And then they'll play it for you the next day. And that's just fabulous. Thank you for that. So they could re- you would find out. Your partner might tell you. Exactly. Okay. Or through the day, you may find that your performance is impaired in terms of just feeling tired, fatigued, and just fuzziness in your thinking. So go by how you feel, your thought process during the day. If you wake up and you feel rested versus you drag yourself out of bed and just wish you could sleep for another few hours, are naps good things? Because I love naps. I wish that could be like a universal, (laughs) everybody take a nap at around one to two o'clock every day. But apparently that was just in kindergarten. Someone fooled me. The rest of school doesn't provide naps. Are naps good or bad? I love naps. Me too. (laughs) I want to institute naps in all the workplaces. The great thing is naps are all right. (laughs) The the important thing is not making the nap too long. (laughs) All right. So an hour and a half is too long? (laughs) Yes. I I think that goes a bit (laughs) over. Okay. So like 10, 15 minutes is probably it. Right. I I think that's a nice range. Dr. Dr. Vajala recommends up to 40 minutes. Up to 40 minutes. Okay, I like his recommendation better. (laughs) Up to 40 minutes. That's what I want. I want to get one of those napping pods in my office. That would be wonderful. Okay, so sleep, you can do your own gauge of whether or not you have enough energy during the day. How bad is it to get okay sleep all week and then over the weekend think you can catch up? Because I've heard people say you really can never catch up from sleep that you missed the previous week. It's just a fallacy. And the best thing to do is get up around the same time every day to help your body establish a pattern and that you feel better when you do that. I know when I was younger, I could, you know, stay up all night and sleep during the day and feel great. And I'm not young anymore. And if I do that, my whole week is blown. So is it something that changes with age? Honestly, I can't tell you for certain if if that thought is true. If you can catch up on the weekends, we aren't completely 100% sure why we sleep in the first place. There's a lot of theories uh, as to why sleep occurs and what happens during the sleep cycles. Um, But until we get that answer, we really can't say, is it okay to sleep two or three hours during the week and then sleep 12 hours on the weekends? Because there may be things that happen every night in each stage that you are that you need nightly instead of waiting and pushing it off until the weekend comes through. I mean, I just want to be like my cat. They just curl <laughs> up in a sunspot and they're like, I don't care if you're home. I'm going to sleep now. This is just what I do. So, yeah, I, I, I like their sleep pattern. But, okay, so get enough rest during the week. It may or may not be something you can catch up on. We still really don't know about all the restorative functions sleep provides for the body. And until we have some more research about that, we might not know if there could be a catch-up time. So it's, it's certainly something we have to take a closer look at. Now, the, one of the other pillars is looking at substances. So substances can be things people think about like alcohol, but they could also be things like my favorite friend, caffeine. <laughs> Should I be cutting my caffeine intake? 
Say no. (laughs) (laughs) I, well, okay. I do believe that uh, with caffeine, it's all right to have a moderate amount. uh, And I also think you have to take it in the context of your overall health. Uh, If you have high blood pressure, then caffeine's probably something you want to keep out of your diet. Uh, But um, I think limited amounts of caffeine, like green teas, uh, a great source of Oh, you had to pick the healthy tea one. (laughs) You know, like the super healthy herbal version of caffeine. Okay. So green tea, does it always have caffeine? Is that one of the attributes of it? Yes. Okay. So look for healthier versions of caffeine. And what other substances do we need to be mindful about? I think always tobacco, alcohol, those things, uh, particularly tobacco, when you look at its effect on the cardiovascular system, which in turn impacts the brain, the central nervous system, um, being a non-smoker is a definite plus in terms of looking at your your overall health and longevity. What about medications? I mean, and I don't mean medications that are appropriate, but some people might have other substances that they're using that might not be so appropriate. So other types of illicit drugs or even a lot of benzodiazepines or opioids, those are in the news these days as potentially being detrimental or harmful. Those are things we should also be careful about. Correct. Uh, particularly, as, as you allude to, the opioid situation, uh, benzodiazepine, uh, definitely in clinical practice, uh, in, in terms of dealing with injured workers, a lot of times I would come across problems like that uh, in, in terms of, you know, you have an injury and to try to sleep, try to minimize pain, very easy to uh, be prescribed those medications, but continuing on with those medications, uh, it it can really become habituating or a, a major problem. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. And I'm here with my friends and colleagues, James Campbell, physician assistant, and Dr. Paul Smith from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more about the pillars of trying to keep your your health intact so that you can enjoy however long you are meant to live and be as healthy as possible in the process. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with physician assistant James Campbell and Dr. Paul Smith from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. And we're talking about the pillars of trying to keep yourself healthy. And we've gone through a few of these, nutrition, activity, sleep, being careful with substances. And there's a couple of other ones that we want to talk about. You mentioned earlier social connection. 
There's a lot of research that's been done that shows that loneliness, particularly in our elderly population, is a huge health risk that has previously gone fairly unrecognized. And we're now seeing that that social isolation aspect can be just as detrimental as having diabetes or heart disease in how it can affect people as they get older. But it's not just for people when they're older. There's a lot of other folks who might experience some of that isolation, even if they have certain medical conditions or if they do have problems with memory or if they've had strokes and they don't have the ability to get out and interact with people in the community. How important is social connection and what can we each do to help one another? James? You know, it's interesting, Dr. Kozak, on the radio the other day, I heard a, a comment or a statement that the generation now is more connected than ever, but they're more lonely than ever. And it goes to the, the, the idea that, yes, we have all this electronic media, social media aspect of our lives now that we can immediately pick up our phones and connect with people, but it's not a, a deep connection. It's not the connection that we need for our brain. We need the face-to-face one-on-one or group interactions because it stimulates different parts of our brain and a a lot more of our brain is activated when you're in a face-to-face environment versus just looking at at a screen. Yeah, I know I'm guilty. You know, I've really tried to decrease my screen time because your phone can tell you how long you've spent on it. And that was a shocking revelation because I thought I was really good about that. Oh, I don't text that often. Oh, I would rather call. And then I looked and I went, I haven't used any voice minutes. I've only been texting. (laughs) What is going on? So I I absolutely agree. What are some simple things people could do other than avoiding texting? Well, not avoiding if you need to, but calling people and interacting. Are there other things that are out there in the community that can help? I definitely believe so, Dr. Kozak, in terms of looking at community resources, particularly for the elderly or senior citizens. Uh, There's community activities that they can be involved in, even uh, things within their families, being able to try to maintain that generational uh, contact. And um, I think that there's... um, just there's so many things now that are being uh, available, made available for that community or social contact that you just need to look at at some of the especially the websites that talk about the groupings. Well, and and I agree. I think there's also learn a new skill. I mean, I spent a couple of weeks just. Uh, really doing horrible in art classes over the summer and (laughs) much to the dismay of myself, but the laughter of everyone else in the class, it was actually trying to interact with other people in a non-medical setting and trying to find some other group environments where you can just have fun and just hang out with people, get to know them from different areas. And there are some really good artists out there and they all seem to be in those classes I was in (laughs) and I was not one of them. But, you know, there's a lot of opportunities, I think, in the community. Reaching out to your local community, if you have a faith-based community and you belong to a church or a temple, any of those also provide opportunities. So that connection, that social interaction, I agree, is hugely important. Now, let's not forget one of the biggies. And I am such a guilty queen about this. Stress. Why are we all so stressed out? I mean, I was dashing down here from my office, and I was, like, ready to use the horn again 
Because why can't people just go when the light is green? So, you know, what are we doing to ourselves and what is stress doing for impacting our, our future mental health, if not our current mental health? And does it really actually shave time off of your life if you're constantly in this adrenaline fight or flight mode and you're always sort of super stressed? I think you're shaking your heads. Yes. And (laughs) looking at me like, were you the one about to honk the horn? I don't know. Okay, probably was me. Uh, I believe that, unfortunately, with the way that society is going nowadays, uh, our stresses come from a, a multitude of places. And the thing about that, with our lives being constantly bombarded with stress, as you say, that flight or flight system uh, being in constant play, we sometimes overlook the fact that there's also an underlying system where cortisol that is very responsible for our immune system comes into play. And I think it sets us up with this chronic stress exposure to different, well, basically, our immune system is compromised yeah, we to get a certain sick. extent. It's like our body says, I'm sick of you running around. I'm going to make you stay home in bed and take naps. Correct. Which I would love to do all the time, but <laughs> that is not conducive to paying a mortgage. Okay. So stress is really doing a lot of harm to us. And, and I don't think we recognize how much that actually affects us on a regular basis. Where do stress-relieving techniques come into play? James, if somebody said, I need to learn how to meditate, how could they do that? I mean, are there ways they can find out? Do you think that's one of the healthy ways for people to help boost their brain health is to learn how to sort of disconnect, meditate, focus on their breathing, and sort of lower that overall stress level? I think that's definitely an important side of it. We have to understand that we don't have any control of our environment directly. So when you're in traffic... Things happen. Stress happens. We can't we can't stop that from happening. So trying to you can change how you respond. <laughs> you can change how you respond. I will Correct. get my finger off the horn. I swear, <laughs> one of these days I will. And that's that's the key. It's how do how do we counteract the stress that we are exposed to on a daily basis? Because you can't not go to work. You can't not be out in public. Uh, so what do you do when those events happen? How do you kind of calm yourself down? And there's any number of ways. It doesn't have to be anything magnificent. You don't have to necessarily go out of your house and sign up for a class. You can. There's things like positive self-talk, telling yourself, and just simple statements like "I'm I'm really an intelligent person" and things like that. I and mean, then it sounds silly, but it's true that they work. And and just little things like that throughout the day can can even counteract a lot of the stress that w- that we're meant to, to deal with on a daily basis. I have a mantra that I'm going to work on this year. Just leave earlier. (laughs) Just leave earlier and you won't be freaking out trying to get somewhere on time. Okay. Now, you guys have a wonderful event that's coming up in a couple of months in April. And that's open to anybody who really wants to focus on this concept of lifestyle medicine and how they can really help themselves to prevent sequelae of health conditions by focusing on some healthy things right now. That conference is not happening for a few months, but if people want information... How can they get it? They can book an appointment to come see me at HPN as the director of the Lifestyle Wellness Center. They they can I have availability so they can direct refer in some cases. They have to check with their insurance company. Some require referral. Some people can direct refer. So, 
but I have plenty of opportunity and availability for people to come in and, and consult. And there's a website. If you go to the Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience website, there are links to that to also talk some more about some of the work that you're both doing. Correct. Correct. Um, <clears throat> the I think the link also has the upcoming date for the um, conference. Well, after hearing you guys talk about it, that's a conference that I'm going to leave early and I'm going to go to. And I will not be stressed using my horn <laughs> as I drive over there. I want to thank both of you for joining me today on The Body Show and for sharing your expertise on how we can really all work on some easy things that, that we can do right now to help ourselves long into the future. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and we will see you right here next week talking more about health topics on The Body Show. See you then. Thank mm-hmm. you.